for directors meeting of December 10th, 2020 to order. I'm Jeff G, the board vice chair. This board meeting is being conducted pursuant to the provisions of the Brown Act and recent executive orders issued by the governor to facilitate teleconferencing to reduce the risk of COVID-19 transmission at public meetings. Ordinarily, the Brown Act sets strict rules for teleconferencing. The governor's executive order has suspended those rules. As noted on the agenda, members of the public may observe the teleconference meeting via SFGov TV, and they may offer public comment by calling the published public comment phone number. I'd like to welcome the members of the public and staff who are watching us live on SFGov TV. Mr. Secretary, could you please call the roll? Thank you, Thank Vice you. Chair G. Prior to calling row, I would like to note that Tilly Chang is sitting in as Director Haney's alternate and Dina L. Townsy has been appointed to fill Director Tavares' seat, but due to a scheduling conflict, uh, she is unable to attend this meeting. With that, I will now proceed to call row. Directors, please respond when I call your name. Director Chang? Present. Chang, present. Director Forbes? Present. Forbes, present. Director Hirsch? Here. Hirsch present. Director Lipkin? Present. Lipkin present. Director Tumlin? Here. Tumlin present. Vice Chair G? Here. G present. Uh, Directors, we have a quorum. Very good. Continue, Mr. Secretary. Yes. Directors, the next item, item three is communications. We'd like to provide further instructions on for the public comment process. To provide public comment, callers should dial into the published number 1855-282-6330 and enter access code 126-769-2576. Then pound and pound again and listen to the meeting as they wait for public comment to be announced. Members of the public have up to three minutes to provide comments on each agenda item. I will announce when public comment is open on each item or for general public comment at which time callers should dial star three to be added to the queue. The call-in number and access code will also stream on the screen during the entire board meeting. When callers dial star three, they will be added to the queue to speak in the order that they entered. All callers will remain on mute until their line is open an automated voice will let callers know when it is their turn to speak. Everyone must account for the time delays and speak discrepancy between live coverage and streaming. It is best to call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down television or radio. Are there any other communications from the board members? Seeing none, uh, I will call the next item. Please. Directors, item four is Board of Directors new and or old business. Seeing none, I will proceed. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. Yes. Directors, item five is the Executive Director's Report. Good morning, Directors. Um, I hope you all had a nice and safe although I'm sure different Thanksgiving holiday. Um, I'd like to thank Vice Chair G for presiding over the meeting. Uh, he's done so many times in the past, and so I know this is second nature for him. Um, 
I did want to note for the public members that may have missed uh, prior meetings or announcements that um, Nadia Sassay and Tony Tavares have moved on to other opportunities. Um, appointments, I believe, for their seats are forthcoming. Um, I know that um, Donald mentioned uh, Dina. Um, she has been appointed acting district four uh, director for Tony. Uh, we have not yet received notice on their appointment to the TJPA board. Um, with that, I'll just go ahead and move into the rest of the update. Um, if you've been by the rooftop park lately, you may have observed some activities. Uh, we were thrilled that Salesforce Park was able to host Mark Benioff's keynote address for this year's virtual Dreamforce TU conference on December 2nd. The filming of the keynote took two weeks of preparation by George P. Johnson Experiential Marketing Agency on behalf of Salesforce. Uh, which transformed a portion of the park and amphitheater into a winter wonderland. A portion um, uh, introduced by uh, James Corden, uh, who joked that this was his biggest audience uh, that he's had recently given his show airs after midnight. Um, the event was just uh, over an hour and received uh, rave reviews. Uh, we thank the production team for their thorough and strict adherence to COVID-19 protocols. Throughout the two weeks of activities, uh, safely delivering this event to thousands online while showcasing our beautiful park to an international audience. John Updike, TJPA Facility Director, will share a bit more information on this event under his facility operations update. And although I'm sure we are all saddened by the recent stay at home order, um, we fully support the efforts to reduce the community spread of COVID-19. We will continue to monitor and adhere to all guidance from the city's health officer and continue to work closely with our transit agencies and tenants. We will also continue to provide commuters and visitors to the transit center the most up-to-date information about mask wearing and social distancing. And of course, enhanced cleaning protocols remain in place. We're pleased to announce that after collaborating closely with our partners at OCII, the interim activation RFP uh, has been officially posted uh, for the uh, temporary Transbay, former temporary Transbay terminal. Uh, bids from prospective activators are due to OCII by February 3rd, 2021, with a target date for a contract by April 5th, 2021. The goal of this offering is to, is to secure proposals that provide active, pedestrian-oriented, community-serving uses that cater to and create vitalized spaces for those who live, work, and visit the East Cut neighborhood and other nearby areas. Suggested uses include outdoor food and beverage, farmer's market, outdoor retail, recreation, sports programming, or outdoor movies. We believe this site is large enough to, and, uh, enough to potentially accommodate multiple such uses. Regarding DTX, uh, phase two of the Transbay program, later in the agenda, you'll be considering the communications and outreach services contract for phase two, as well as the comprehensive work plan recommended by the ESC. In regard to the recruitment for the DTX project director, Unfortunately, negotiations ended unsuccessfully as the candidate had to consider family matters. Therefore, the recruitment is continuing. Uh, we also wanted to mention that the ESC meeting for December has been canceled and a cancellation notice has been distributed and posted on the website. Finally, I'm excited to introduce Lily Magis Wu as TJPA's Communications and Legislative Affairs Manager. Great new addition to our team. Uh, much needed and looking forward to it. She officially starts with the TJPA on December 16th, but she's so dedicated. She has joined us today uh, for a brief introduction before she formally participates in meetings beginning in January. Lily. Good morning, board of directors and um, executive director, uh, Neela. 
Um, this is Lily Mantis. I'm so excited to join you all um, as part of the TJPA program. Um, I have over 14 years of experience with the city and county of San Francisco, and um, I'm just excited to um, join this great program that will um, bring uh, transportation services to the community. Um, I look forward to working with you all and um, hit the ground running as the new year begins. Thank you. Thank you, Lily. Directors, that concludes uh, my portion of the report. We be happy to take any questions before having John provide the facility update. Directors, any questions for our interim executive director? I don't see anything. So Mr. Secretary, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to make a comment at this time? Uh, at this time, there are no members of the public that wish to provide comment. Very good. Well, thank you, um, Neela, for that report. Yeah. Lily, welcome to the team. Mr. Secretary, I guess we can keep moving. Thank you. Yes, and I think we have a facility operation update by John Updike. Perfect. Thank you. Good morning, directors. Thanks, Jason, and welcome, Lily. Great to work with you again. So on the operations update, we're continuing uh, the efforts that began a few months ago with the darkened kiosks for bus bays that are unused. Pilot program continues for closures of restrooms. We've also identified further service reductions in engineering and custodial services that we were able to affect with modest uh, impacts to operations, uh, just continuing to tighten our belts on the operations side. Uh, there have been, however, no changes to our intense high-touch area cleaning regimen, so that is maintained unabated. As, uh, the director mentioned we've been following very closely the health directives that certainly has had an effect to a couple of our businesses, most notably Fitness SF, who was able to open indoors, uh, then again uh, restricted. And so as a result of the most recent restriction, we were able to open up, as you see in the picture here, an area under the basket on the Natoma side, an outdoor uh, recreation area for their members, consistent with health guidelines, just to keep that operation moving forward as best we can under the conditions we have. And of course, we're taking the advantage of a light uh, patronage in the area to uh, affect some much needed repairs. We've had some glass breakage from way back in spring. Uh, again, Mostly due to COVID-related issues, it's been a challenge to bring contractors on site, get bids, get through the procurement process, but we're happy to see now those repairs taking place. One of them shown in the photo here. Moving on. So, uh, the playground was opened up. Uh, we were happy to have it open. Uh, then, unfortunately, uh, we were required to close it again on Monday, December 7th. I am thrilled to announce that as of this morning, it's back open again. Uh, so it's up there today, checking it out. Uh, so that again is consistent with the change made 
uh, yesterday by the state of California and immediately adopted by the County of San Francisco to allow playgrounds to open. So we're really happy to see that back open. Now, that's amenity that the residents in the area really enjoy. We also were able to install our holiday lights. We have both stars on the wall on the Minna side of the facility, as well as icicle lights along the hand railings on the Natoma side of the park. Uh, all installed and lighted before Thanksgiving per our plan after we discussed the matter with the East Cut CBD Salesforce Park Committee. It has been a great success. Lots of comments from adjacent residents and neighbors saying, we love those so much, can you keep them up beyond the holidays? And we have made arrangements to do so, they'll be up through January. Just provides a much more pleasant uh, evening walk than we've had in the past this time of year. As Director Gonzalez mentioned, we were uh, happy to host the Dreamforce event on December 2, we've got some pictures of the activities. As you can see, they had quite an intensive technical uh, experience. Uh, the bottom middle picture is uh, one, of, one of their many tech facilities located within tent uh, locations that we uh, uh, erected around the site. So we were uh, happy to host uh, CEO Bennyhoff of Salesforce as well as Stuart Butterfield. You see the two of them in the photo in the winter wonderland scene created on the amphitheater deck. Uh, where they announced the acquisition or pending acquisition of Slack. They uh, indicated that over 1 million impressions were received during the viewing on the Salesforce website. That is just tremendous uh, international exposure for our park. So we really want to thank Salesforce for highlighting it. I want to personally thank our team uh, who came together to put all of this moving forward with restrictions changing almost by the day during preparations. The actual event ended up being far different than was originally planned three weeks before we started the adventure. Uh, again, mostly to address health restriction issues that we were facing, but uh, the security team, Rodney's team was just fantastic. And our consultants, uh, Innovity, ABM, LPC, all pitched in, wore many hats uh, to make this happen, while also keeping our center and our park open and accessible. So thank you to all of them. Also wanted to note that we thought this might be an opportunity for our fills to open up for a couple of weeks to address at least a small group of folks who would be uh, patronizing their location. We did ask uh, the owner of fills, but he declined indicating it just was not going to be a profitable venture. But I wanted to let you know that we did make an attempt uh, to see if there was an opportunity there. Moving on to retail leasing. So we continue to make progress on two uh, very active uh, engagements. One with our food and beverage uh, kiosk. We have a fully executed letter of intent now. We're trading paper on lease documents. Uh, we did um, uh, receive from input from the East Cut Community Benefit uh, District Salesforce Park Committee uh, some comments that we're taking under uh, consideration, uh, to, uh, and uh, those negotiations will continue. I'm hopeful that very soon we will be able to have an announcement and a lease that is fully executed. Uh, target date for opening would be late spring. Suite 232. 
Those discussions continue. We have there a fully executed letter of intent. And again, trading paper on lease negotiations with that particular prospect. That's uh, adjacent to the TGPA offices on the Beale side of the facility. So that's moving along quite nicely. And I'm happy to say we do have interests from multiple parties for uh, at least four of our vacant first floor suites. I think that's rather extraordinary in this environment in downtown. Uh, and it's a testament to recognizing long term, this is an excellent location. Now is the time to get in, uh, make decisions, and be prepared for the return of the workforce and return of transit. So I'm heartened by the interest uh, by some uh, retailers. No change to our occupancy update from our last meeting. We still stand at 78.4% occupancy rate. Uh, while we continue our negotiations, uh, negotiations on the two uh, locations I mentioned, and uh, we'll continue to update this. Uh, hopefully, we'll perhaps have some letters of intent uh, to discuss uh, in our next meeting. Uh, those discussions continue. On the tenant improvement front, good progress there. As we mentioned, we have Verizon Express that opened on November 11th, Veterans Day. So they continue to be open, terrific looking facility. Uh, so we wish them the best and are really pleased to see them uh, opening in a very difficult atmosphere, but uh, troopers that they are, uh, they've continued pace. Also moving forward with nearing completion is the Kaiser Suite, as you can see, just about ready. We do have a few uh, technical issues to resolve, some permitting issues uh, to get them ready to go. Then they have quite an extensive training period anticipated and uh, their glide path would be an opening in May of 2021. Uh, the rent payments have already commenced. Lastly, in terms of photos, I've got a shot here of the interior spring fertility. Uh, they are across the hall from the TJPA offices on the Beale uh, Street side of the facility, uh, 2,500 some square feet. As you can see, if you recall the last picture I showed you, I just had steel to show you. Now I've got drywall. So uh, progress continues there. We'll see signage go up uh, over the next uh, week or so as well. So their presence will be known and they're still on target for a first quarter 2021 opening. So again, another opening during the pandemic here. I think that again, that speaks volumes about the future of this location. Uh, their rent commencement has started and has been timely paid. So always happy to report that to you. Remaining spaces, uh, this will look very similar because there's no change. We are continuing uh, to make progress on the uh, base building improvements, uh, kitchen exhaust systems, uh, louvers, and other matters that we need to complete in order to turn over the space to tenants. You can see the approximate turnover quarters shown here. Everyone targeting Q3 2021, anticipating a return of patrons to serve in downtown by that time. You can take a look at the next slide, Jason. You see the rest of them there. Uh, we're continuing to discuss uh, matters with each of these folks on a weekly basis, keep them engaged, uh, keep their design teams uh, uh, moving forward with the projects. And then lastly, we have our common area improvement, the gender neutral restroom project, and happy to report that that has uh, also uh, come nearly to conclusion. We have punch list items, just a few left 
uh, and that is being brought in uh, on uh, budget. So happy to note that. That's a key improvement as I remind you that uh, from a code perspective, some of these restaurants require that to be done before they will be able to get their occupancy permit. So we will have that completed and ready for them. Happy to uh, have that moving forward nicely. Uh, lastly, no updates on the budget as we don't have any actuals yet uh, populated in the system. I would expect to have a much more robust budget information session for you uh, in our next report. Happy to address any questions you might have. Thank you, Mr. Updike, for that report. Any questions from the directors for Mr. Updike? So I don't see anyone, Mr. Secretary, so we will continue with the, the money part, the financials, I guess. That is correct. And we will have uh, TJPA's Aaron Roseman presenting an update on the quarterly financial reports. Thank you, Director. In your packet today, you received the quarterly reporting of the quarter ended September 30, um, 2020. Um, the reports reflect um, what we've expected, uh, about 25% of the operating budget, revenues and expenses, um, no red flags there. Um, you'll see in that uh, schedule that there's an addition to um, fund balance that just represents the, ca the positive cash flow over this quarter. Um, I believe that was the question that you all had um, previously. And so these quarterly reports will show the, the cash flow um, in the transfer line. In the other um, budgets, the debt service budget, it um, anticipate, um, reflects what we've anticipated, our first debt payment, October 1, um, and re partial redemption of some of the bonds um, and for October also. So there's no surprises there. For phase one, um, the budget reflects what we would have expected. Um, contracts uh, related to um, claims in contract uh, construction closeout have progressed, progressed like we've reported and the uh, financials reflect that. Um, for phase two, we show that um, we've spent about where we would have expected um, in three months. Uh, that's moving along. And then in tenant improvements, um, I hate to contradict John, but we actually do have some <laughs> financials to report. They're just not in the format uh, in which uh, he he's uh, trying to present. So we've spent about 3 million in tenant improvements over the first quarter, which is what we would have expected um, and kind of reflects um, the progress that he reported. Um, additionally, in the quarterly financial reports, you'll see the listing of contracts that, we, that we've had. Um, all the ones that you've approved over the last three months are reflected as new contracts and the activity in which we've spent is reflected. Additionally, you'll see the inception to date report, um, which reports on the whole TransBay program, uh, all the expenses uh, construction related to phase one, phase two, for a total of 2.3 billion for the inception to date of the program. Finally, there's a report of the reserve status. Um, there haven't been additions or subtractions um, that are formal actions. There have been some cash flow additions and subtractions as we as we use it as working capital. But as far as um, uh, approved additions or uses, there haven't been any. I take any questions if you have them. Directors, any questions? 
don't you see can... hands raised. Okay. Uh, Very good. Any any comments from the public on any of the last two presentations, Mr. Secretary? Uh, there are none. Okay. Very good. Neela, John, Aaron, thank you for those reports. We appreciate it. Thanks for those updates. Thank you. All right, Mr. Secretary, let's keep moving. Yes, sir. Uh, directors, item six is the CAC update, and we have our CAC chair, Direct Derek Hoke, who will address you on this item. Good morning, everyone. I'm Derek Hoke. Well, we had a Productive Citizens Advisory Committee meeting this past Tuesday evening. Uh, the CAC, uh, can you hear me, uh, Deborah? You can't? Okay, all right. It's a, it's a little low, Derek. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll speak up. How's, how's this? Better. <laughs> right, right. So uh, we appreciated uh, uh, interim executive director uh, updates and comments regarding the transit center dynamics during these COVID times and the political winds of support for the transit, uh, the transit projects. Uh, she, pro she provided helpful information and answered brief questions from the CAC members on several topics, along with a reminder regarding the Millennium Tower settlement. We're excited for the tremendous potential that Lily Madness brings to the TJPA as manager of communications. It was great to meet her Tuesday evening. Mr. Updike walked us through some of the significant activities over the last 30 days, including the Dreamforce virtual conference based on the Transit Center rooftop park or, or the presentation from uh, uh, the, uh, the CEO. Uh, we, he talked about the holiday lights as requested by the East Cut CBD, and he talked about a lot more. We're excited about the future retail openings that are coming in uh, Q2 and Q3. And of course, there was good discussion of additional actions to incorporate art in different places within the center where there may be vacant retail uh, places right now or uh, in the spring or, or summer. Suggestions by the CAC members also included further developing the strategy and tactics to better identify who the transit center visitors are uh, in an effort to further activate the transit center use, use during these, uh, these COVID times. And of course, we appreciated uh, Mr. Volkronis' uh, detailed update regarding the phase two progress update, the scheduling and acceleration plan, the DTX video pictures, phasing concepts, and much more. Uh, we appreciate the 10 second picture video of the future DTX, and there was healthy discussion of using the grand hall to promote phase two DTX plans through physical models and video representations on the Grand Hall's big screen, as well as uh, using the, the TG, TJPA website. We were able to provide Mr. Polkronis with a list of topics that we're curious about related to regional transit and transit authorities. And we understand that January might be a better time for an update from Caltrain on topics that might tie into the transit center and phase two dynamics. As you can imagine, CAC members are concerned about 2020 COVID dynamics and impact, the impact that it might have on regional transit operations and the tie-in to the transit center and of course, phase two, uh, phase two plans. To wrap up my report, the CAC discussed actions that could be undertaken to further increase public awareness of the DTX phase two project. There were suggestions from the CAC members of publicizing the number of jobs created by the phase two project the people that might fill those jobs and the diversity of those people and the companies that uh, are involved in uh, the phase two DTX uh, project, similar to what was done uh, with, uh, with phase one that you may remember. 
CAC members were also encouraged by the TJPA plans to be very assertive in pursuing funding from all areas possible. And we realize that sometimes that can be a very competitive, uh, competitive space. And, as, and of course, we always uh, appreciate contributions by members of the public, including topics on the train platforms, the train box, ridership, and more. And this actually concludes my, uh, my quick CAC report. Thanks. Any questions? Thank you, Mr. Holt. Any questions from the directors? I don't uh, seeing none. Okay, very good. Sorry, oh, I just wanted to jump in really, really I fast. I think Fort, yeah. yeah. Okay. Just uh, want to say thanks, Derek, for the update. And I, I think you'll be happy to see the items on the consent calendar talking about the outreach and communications work that needs to be done on DTX. So it seems like uh, we're, the, the staff is very much aligned with uh, the CAC on what some of the needs are here. So good stuff. Awesome. Uh, my, uh, my members will be excited to hear that. And it sounds like great minds think alike. <laughs> Mr. Secretary, is there any public comment on this item? Uh, moderator, are there any callers in the queue? Yes, there is. There is one public comment, and it is for the uh, 408-206 number. And I will go ahead and unmute now. Thank you. Hello, caller. You are requested to please state your name. Your three minutes begins now. Uh, thank you, directors. Good morning, Roland Brand San Jose. I uh, appreciate uh, Derek's report um, as always, um, but it, it, from my point of view, it would be useful if his report could be uh, posted on, on the website prior to the meeting. Um, I also appreciate the honorable, um, you know, mention of uh, comments of the members of the public and I'd like to spend a couple of seconds expanding on what I said. Um, right now, we're just looking at an extremely expensive a very short tunnel uh, that potentially is going to have a lot of collateral damage on the multiple San Francisco properties. And I think that if we want to have more exposure at the national level, you know, which basically is, is you know, basically increase our visibility, which in turn is going to greatly enhance our chances of uh, obtaining funding at the federal level. Is if we combine all these, you know, little projects all over the place, which is the PAX and the DTX and the TRC, into a single project, which obviously is going to have massive ridership because most of the ridership into uh, the say, the transit center is going to be coming from the East Base, not going to be coming from Caltrain or high-speed rail. You know, I think we're much more likely to be successful if we if we take that approach. And, and to that effect, um, I've actually offered to the CAC to give them a presentation on a comprehensive alignment from end to end, which basically, uh, you know, starts, it pretty much starts in Brisbane, uh, if you think about the entire project. It starts in Brisbane and, um, and ends up in, um, in uh, West Oakland. And, and there, you know, that's where it uh, connects to the uh, capital uh, 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 corridor tracks. So I just put that out there uh, for your consideration. Uh, happy to, uh, if should the invitation be forthcoming, uh, happy to be doing that in the first uh, quarter of uh, 2021. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any more, are there any more public comments on this item? Yes, there is one more. 
and that is on the uh, 415-392 number, and I will unmute now. Thank you. Uh, hello, caller. You are requested to state your name. Your three minutes begins now. Hi, this is Jim Patrick calling, Patrick and Company. Thank you for the opportunity to talk. Uh, I support uh, Mr. LeBrun's idea. The notion of counting fares from Oakland to San Francisco is much larger than from, let's say, Burlingame to San Francisco. And we know that by the BART ridership statistics. And that fare ridership or that fare box will impact greatly, I think, the approval of any design. So thinking a little bit bigger, a little bit out of the box, uh, now is the time to, be, to, to do that kind of thinking, and I think you can make a much stronger case for a larger product and a weaker case for a smaller project. Thank you. Thank you. Any other callers? Any other public comment? There are no others. Very good. Well, thank you, speakers. Mr. Mr. Holt, thank you for your service and thank you to the CAC members. The best of the holiday season to you and everyone on the CAC. And thank you for joining us today. Mr. Secretary, next item, please. Yes, uh, directors, item seven is public comment and opportunity for members of the public to address the authority on matters that are not on today's calendar. Moderator, are there any callers in the queue? Uh, thank you, Roland Turban, again, very briefly. I forgot to mention something just now. Um, we, we've had the same issue uh, hearing uh, Derek clearly at the CAC. And um, next week, um, I have a, a meeting scheduled with TJPA staff, and we will go over what it takes uh, to basically enable somebody to use their telephone instead of whatever audio they got available on the computer and be clearly here heard hopefully you can hear me clearly and essentially that's how you will be able to be um, hearing direct in the future thank you thank, thank you. you there are no other callers okay mr secretary keep us moving please Will do. Directors, your next item is the consent calendar. All matters listed are considered to be routine and acted upon by a single vote. There will be no separate discussion of these items unless a member of the board or the public so request, in which event the matter shall be removed from the consent calendar and considered separately. Is there a motion for the consent calendar? I've not received any indication that a member of the board wishes to have any of the items considered separately. I'll move approval, Hirsch. <clears throat> there a second. I second, this is Elaine Forbes. Very good. It's been moved and seconded, Mr. Secretary. Um, so I will go ahead and do a roll call vote. Director Chang? Yeah, aye. Chang, aye. Director Forbes? Aye. Forbes, aye. 
Director Hirsch. Aye. Hirsch, aye. Director Lipkin. Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Tumlin. Aye. Tumlin, aye. Vice Chair G. Aye. G, aye. The ayes have it. Please continue, Mr. Secretary. Yes, uh, directors, item nine is a presentation of the audited annual financial report for the fiscal year ended on June 30th, 2020. And Aaron Roseman, TJPA Chief Financial Officer will introduce this item and David Alvey of Mays and Associates will present. Thank you. Um, it is my pleasure to Aaron, yes, there's something yes. wrong with your mic, I think. We do this all day, every day, and there's nothing usually wrong with her mic. So. <laughs> no, is that any better? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's my pleasure to present to you our audited financial reports for fiscal year 1920. It has been a long, hard year getting here with our first um, full year of operations and all of the um, significant achievements and accomplishments we've had this year. We've had a bond sale, um, a repayment of city financing, a settlement payment, um, COVID, <laughs> amongst other things. And so um, moving into operations with all of those things and um, adjusting our financial system to account for all these unprecedented or unplanned um, for events has been um, a major undertaking for us. Um, so with that, I will turn it over to David Alvey, our auditor, to discuss with you the things that he did or did not find in his audit. Great. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, my name is David Alvey. I'm the audit partner with Mays & Associates, and we're TJPA's new auditor. And my job every year is to come in and audit the financial statements and to give a presentation on whether or not those financial statements are fairly presented and free of material misstatement. And that can be found on page one of the, of the uh, report. And that's the audit opinion. And I'm pleased to say that it is an unmodified or clean audit opinion. And that's the highest level of assurance that a CPA firm can give an entity. So congratulations, you passed your audit. Uh, like Aaron was said, uh, there were some new things this year uh, and those can be found in the capital asset footnote. We moved obviously the transit center into a depreciable asset and started recording depreciation on that. We had the restructuring of the debt with the new 2020 green bonds. So note five looks quite a bit different than last year's report. But other than that, um, amongst a couple of other things that we did, there's not uh, some any major changes. We also, as part of our audit, we have to issue what's called a memorandum on internal controls. And this is also known as a management letter. And this is my communication to this board of directors of things that we have found in the audit that we need to bring to your attention. And they can be categorized in three ways. The first is a material weakness. That means something material can throw through the, flow through the financials of TJPA and not get caught. We have none of those. The second is significant deficiency. That something significant can flow through and not get caught. We have none of those. And lastly is the last category is other matter. And the only thing we have in the other matter sections 
our new government accounting standard board pronouncements that are coming down in the next couple of years, just to let you know in ahead of time of what, what's going to be expected in terms of changes in financial reporting and disclosure. The second half of that document is the required communication. And this is required for statement of auditing standards as an auditor to tell you that we had no disagreements with management. We had no difficulties in performing the, the audit other than, other than COVID and things out of our control. But we don't think management was trying to limit the scope of the audit or try to influence our independence. Um, and with that, I'd just like to open up to any questions you might have and thank Araceli and Aaron for all their hard work. It's, it's very difficult to do an audit, especially with a new auditor and with the shelter in place. But I'm pleased to say we didn't find anything that we seemed as a control deficiency to bring to your attention. Well, David, welcome to TJPA. Thank you for your report. Appreciate it. Um, any questions for Aaron or David from the directors? I have a, a comment. I just wanted to congratulate Aaron and the team on a clean audit. That's very, very commendable. And that without any significant or material issues, that also is commendable. And thank you so much for giving us confidence in the work that you're doing internally. It's just an excellent report. Very well done. Thank you, Director Forbes. <clears throat> any other questions or comments from directors at this time? Seeing none, Vice Chair G. Okay, any comments uh, or anyone from the public waiting to speak on this item? Yes, one just popped up and it is 415830 phone number and they are unmuted now. Thank you. Hello caller. Hello caller, you are requested Thanks. to please state your name. Your three minutes begins now. Thank you very much. My name is John Goldsmith and I'm a 30 year San Francisco resident and the Castro Metro Muni station is my primary uh, mode of mass transit. And in 2018, uh, well, 2017 and 2018, myself along with neighbors and property owners and renters adjoining the site submitted two street parklet applications at the Castro Metro Muni station. We're hoping to preserve the only green belt in the Muni system. Our applications were sent directly to uh, Parks Alliance, San Francisco Parks Alliance, which is a nonprofit working with the city, along with uh, to Public Works. Both of those organizations have are in the middle of a FBI investigation. And um, as a citizen of San Francisco, I'd like to know what is the process of um, uh, protecting our uh, transit assets. Um, I believe it is significant as a LGBT civil rights site, as well as an environmental asset with mature landscaping. In 2012, City Hall approved uh, the nation's first LGBT veterans grove with the existing five palm trees there. Now our Senator Scott Weiner has this idea of demolishing and replacing this with something we're not even sure about. He was able to get $1 million from a State Department of Recreation and Parks um, to um, send all this to landfill and flatten our uh, beautiful train station. So um, as part of uh, audits and investigations, I'd like to keep this uh, uh, topic alive 
and on the radar that uh, this is uh, transit-related, it's interconnected. Uh, Castro Metro Muni Station is owned by BART, leased by Muni, and I have uh, brought this to uh, your commission once before in real life, in person. Um, so now I'm doing it as a shelter in place. Thank you very much. Thank you for I'd your like comments. Oh, go ahead. 1,700. I thank you. I'd also like to add that I have 1,700 signatures. 1,500 of them are wet signatures supporting this initiative. Um, and this has been going on for several years. So if this can be included in uh, the magnifying glass process of an audit, I'd be very appreciative. Thank you so much. Thank you for your comments. Are there any other speakers? Aaron, on behalf of the board and David, again, thank you. I echo Director Forbes' comments. What a great report, great results of the audit, the annual audit in a very unusual year with uh, tremendous challenges and changes on top of uh, the shelter in place and safety orders. Great work. Thank you very much for all the efforts, and, and it's really a great report. Thank you. Thank um, you. I'd like to thank my finance staff, Araceli, Hakam, um, Anna, and Davina. I couldn't have done it without them and all their hard work throughout the year, and I would be remiss if I didn't point their, their efforts out. And I appreciate all of your support in uh, helping us through this endeavor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Secretary, next item, please. Yes, sir, uh, with the chair's consent, we'll call items 10 and 11 together. Please do. Directors, item 10 is an annual review and approval of updates to board policy number nine, investment policy. And item 11 is an annual review and approval of updates to board policy number 17, debt management policy. Aaron Roseman, TJPA's chief financial officer will present these items. Thank you. Um, so the investment policy um, has refinements to explicate the requirements that all public bank deposits be collateralized. Our current investment policy has the citation in there, but it refers to the specific California government code section, but it doesn't clearly define the requirements in the text of the policy. So it's just a clarification of existing law um, that we wanted to put on the face of the policy for um, yeah, easy, easy access, easy understanding. For the debt policy, um, we've made refinements to it to account for um, the act of refunding bonds. Um, since we've undertaken an initial uh, sale of bonds, uh, moving forward, we would want to refund them at some point when there's economic value or non-economic value. And so the policy adjustments um, define the non-economic values or uh, opportunities where we'd want to restructure or refund debt. And those would be to add other debt instruments, um, i.e. a TIFIA loan, a RIF loan, where it makes sense to refund the current bonds um, to achieve our construction goals. Um, additionally, we've added dis continuing disclosure requirements in the internal controls We've uh, agreed to them um, as you have to with the issuance of bonds with the IRS codes, um, but we wanted to make sure that they are clearly stated in policy 
that we will comply with the continuing disclosure requirements that we previously agreed to in the bond documents. And so those are the um, adjustments to both policies. I'll have take questions if you if you have any. Thank you. Questions from the directors? Seeing none. This, these are both two items for action. Um, Deborah, we can take these in one motion together. Uh, we can, but just to interrupt, it looks like Director Chang may have a question or a comment. Okay, great. Director Chang. Yeah, I just wanted to thank you, Erin, for including um, that provision regarding the future financing options. And we know that those are things that the phase two DTX project has taken advantage of in the past, such as TIFIA and going forward the RIF. Um, we'll be interested to explore that further as we um, dive into the funding strategy for the for the project for the DTX. Thank you. Thank you, Director Chang. Any other questions or comments from directors? Are there any anyone queued up from the public on these two items? Um, seeing none, moderator. Are there any members in the queue? Any callers in the queue? There are none. Thank you. Um, is there a first and second motion? Move the item. I'll second. I think that was Director Chang and Director Forbes, if I heard that correctly. Yes. yes. Great. Thank you. I would now take a roll call vote. Um, Director Chang? Aye. Chang, aye. Director Forbes? Aye. Forbes, aye. Director Hirsch? Aye. Hirsch, aye. Director Lipkin? Aye. Lipkin, aye. Uh, Vice Chair G? Aye. G, aye. Uh, the ayes have it. Uh, also, Director Tumlin? Oh, Director oh sorry, Tumlin. sorry. <laughs> Director Tumlin? Aye. Tumlin, aye. Sorry about that. You got to turn Great. your video on, Jeff. <laughs> we forget about you otherwise. <laughs> All right, Mr. Secretary, let's keep moving to number 12. Yes. 12. Directors, item 12 is adopting board policy number 19 write-off policy and Aaron Roseman, TJPA's Chief Financial Officer, will present. Aaron, you're, we're having a hard time hearing you. Is that any better? Yeah, it's a little better. What would be the difference? Is that any better? Yes. Okay. Um, so today in your packet, you have um, a request to adopt a new board policy, the write-off policy. As we've um, transitioned to operations, there are new facets to our operations and accounting that we hadn't come across before. And so this policy is forward thinking to um, the need to remove um, physical, um, fixed assets, inventory, things that have expired their useful life, but will require um, a reduction in assets. So we're writing off a value of an asset. Additionally, as we've been in this COVID situation where some of our collections of revenues have not come in, we'd have a provision for us to make the accounting transactions to write off the debt, but not to uh, give away our ability to collect. So this policy is really um, allows us to make the accounting entries 
for uh, and set in place procedures and collection criteria or collection criteria and criteria for determining the value and the types of um, assets that we would want to write off but not giving away our ability um, to collect further further or gifting any set uh, any funds of public funds um, with that i'll take any questions thank you any questions from our directors Aaron, we're not writing anything off right now, are we planning to? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we are not writing anything off. Um, the criteria that we set would make it six months out before we could do anything. Okay, and clearly, you. <laughs> your, um, your authority doesn't get usurped and we don't, um, most of the things that would qualify um, of value would always come to board for action. Um, the minor things, getting rid of surplus property where the value has been depreciated and we sell it in the salvage cost, um, um, value um, would require us to write off the differential. It would be something minor, something that would be, I think you would want to delegate to staff. Thank you for that clarification. Any other questions or comments from directors? I'm seeing none. Okay. Any public comments on this item? Seeing none, moderator, can you confirm? There are none. Thank you. Is there a motion? I'll make a motion to move the item. Thank Second you, Director. Thank, Thank you, you, Director. Mr. Secretary, take the vote, please. Yes, Director Chang? Aye. Chang, aye. Director Forbes? Aye. Forbes, aye. Director Hirsch? Aye. Hirsch, aye. Director Lipkin? Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Tumlin? Aye. Tumlin, aye. Vice Chair G? Aye. T, aye. The ayes have it. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. Directors, item 13 is approving the comprehensive work plan for the downtown rail extension as recommended by the Executive Steering Committee under the terms of the San Francisco Peninsula Rail Program of Understanding and Stephen Polacronis, Interim DTX Project Director will present. Um, actually, through the chair, Mr. Secretary, if I might just say a few opening uh, remarks on this item. Uh, so, please do, Director Chang. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And so really putting on my hat um, as a the chair of the Executive Steering Committee group, I just wanted to provide a quick a um, uh, few words here. Uh, this item is being rec uh, recommended by the Executive Steering Committee on which Director Lipkin also serves. Um, and so it is a collective recommendation from the multi-agency set of partners uh, to bring this forward for your consideration to approve this. It would be a living document, but this is a significant milestone um, as I think we discussed last month. Uh, in that it brings together all of the activities that are in, uh, included in our uh, six-party MOU. Um, the work program that is attached to that um, has been our guiding uh, gu guiding document. Um, and uh, as we presented most of this in, in detail last month, um, I'll just I'll just highlight two things that we've worked on since the last meeting, uh, where we did appreciate your guidance as well. Um, regarding how to manage the risks of conducting um, all of this work. It's a lot of work, uh, but mainly we're driving toward an early milestone of 
um, late summer, early fall next year to bring a recommendation forward for the identification of an initial operating project uh, that we hope can reflect some reasonable and, um, and, and cost-effective sort of uh, changes to the project uh, to, to make it more fundable, to really prepare that, uh, pro the project to compete better for federal and state funds. And that brings me to um, the business case. So we have uh, added a bit more detail about what a business case should include. Um, and that will precede our recommendation, of course. Um, and then finally, the um, schedule for applying for federal funds through the FTA, uh, Federal Transit Administration's New Start program uh, was also a subject of conversation. And we landed um, on a submittal in uh, 2024 uh, with hopefully a, an op opportunity to see if we can accelerate that. Uh, it's an annual, uh, annual deadline to submit. Uh, so if we can make it 2023, that would be even better, um, but there are many things that we're reviewing to see if that's feasible. Um, and, and we're heading into a very important period at MTC, the Metropolitan Transportation Commission, regarding the federal priority projects for, uh, for that program in particular, which DTX has been for the past 20 years, one of the two top um, ranked priority projects within the whole Bay Area region. So we hope to reaffirm our position as a regional priority in that work. Um, so with that, I'll, I'll go ahead and hand it over to Stephen, to our project director, to present the item. Thank you. Thank you, Director Chang, and good morning, directors. Uh, appreciate the chance to present this uh, exciting milestone to you. Uh, we are asking for uh, your approval as uh, required under the uh, Peninsula Rail Program MOU uh, to approve our work plan. Uh, Jason, if we could go to the next item. Uh, next slide, I'm sorry. Uh, so uh, as Director Chang said, uh, this work plan has been the product of uh, several months of work amongst the partners. Uh, I want to express my appreciation to the other uh, IPMT members, the ESC, uh, as well as yourselves for the guidance you've uh, given me in preparing this. This uh, comprehensive work plan is uh, closely tied and completely reflective of the MOU summary work program. And it's also tied to our uh, master schedule uh, with the goal of uh, creating a ready to procure uh, project. Go to the next slide, please. We developed uh, this flow chart to sort of demonstrate the interdependence of um, these many work tasks that are in the work plan itself. And I want to emphasize that we are grounding our work in the uh, existing approved project for which there is a record of decision uh, approved by both the you, the directors, as well as Federal Transit Administration. But also uh, we know that uh, we need to conduct the phasing study to try to develop a project uh, which is affordable within uh, relatively high confidence of funding sources. So we begin with that basis of the Caltrain and High-Speed Rail Authority business plans, as well as Plan Bay Area 2040, soon to be 2050. We are updating uh, the operations analysis right now to look at uh, demand modeling and what sort of service uh, we would start with in the early years uh, so that we can uh, try to develop a phasing phased project, an initial operating project uh, that is affordable, but still meets the requirements of the riders and the operators to conduct safe, dependable service that has flexibility and reliability. Uh, we are intending that our phasing work stay within the existing environmental document 
And so the intent is to come up with a funding strategy, uh, meld that with the rebranding plan to try and assure that this project is viewed as one of regional and even national significance. And as Director Chang uh, said, present you with a business case and a phasing recommendations uh, in uh, August of next year. And that, of course, would then drive into our project uh, delivery uh, approach, which again would come back to the directors. Go to the next slide, please, Jason. The work plan is structured around seven primary areas, uh, which include project positioning and outreach, uh, funding and finance, uh, operations, planning, and uh, demand for the uh, DTX project in terms of ridership itself. Uh, we'll look at uh, different procurement methodologies and bring those recommendations to you, whether the project should be bundled into one large contract or broken into smaller contracts, uh, whether we should use uh, design build or construction management at risk or a public-private partnership, all of which will be evaluated and recommendations brought through the IPMT, ESC, and uh, the TJPA Board of Directors. Obviously, uh, with the with your approval last month uh, of the uh, general engineering consulting contract, uh, we'll be beginning to update the prior 30% design and incorporate the phasing recommendations. Uh, and then uh, we also, of course, have a great deal of work to do to go through the federal new starts uh, process uh, to assure that Federal Transit Administration will participate in funding this important project. We'll also be looking at, uh, under the terms of the MOU, uh, governance and oversight issues, uh, bringing to the TJPA board through the ESC uh, recommendations on how the project ought to be delivered through construction, and then eventually, of course, uh, the two operators. Next slide, please, Jason. Just some key dates that I wanted to share uh, with you. Um, uh, this uh, winter uh, and into the spring, uh, we'll be uh, developing uh, the facility use and project benefits report to really capture broadly all of the users and the benefits that the project will accrue to those users uh, once it's in operation. Uh, we will be uh, bringing to you uh, the uh, completion of the phasing operations analysis, which will then drive us into our risk workshop, as well as the second workshop for the phasing uh, in March, which will be a very busy month for us. And then uh, once we complete the analysis of the phasing ideas through July and August, we'll be bringing the phasing recommendations and the business case to the ESC and to you, the TJPA Board of Directors, for your consideration and hoped for approval. Uh, concurrent with that next summer, uh, we hope to begin design of utilities. Uh, we heard very loudly from our industry outreach activity with the 13 construction contractors and project development contractors that getting uh, utilities and uh, real estate uh, uh, buttoned down early in the process was a critical activity to reduce risk. And when we reduce risk, we reduce contingency pricing in their bids. So it helps save us money. Uh, and then in, uh, in um, October of 2021, next uh, Next fall, I will be bringing our recommendation to you on the uh, project delivery method. Again, design bid build, design build, construction manager at risk, public private partnership, all options that we'll be studying and uh, describing to you in terms of uh, pros and cons for your decision. 
And then finally, under the master schedule right now, uh, we are looking at submitting our funding request in August of 2024. As Director Chang uh, mentioned in her introductory remarks, uh, we are working very hard right now uh, to advance that by a year. Uh, I am really um, thrilled at the collaboration we've had with SFCTA in developing uh, an approach to advance some funding to allow us to move some of the tasks necessary to pick up that year forward. And we'll be bringing more information to you about that, I hope, next month. Uh, but that involves uh, moving ahead with some of the programmatic documents that Federal Transit Administration requires, as well as a few of the design elements, like utilities, for example, that need to be advanced regardless of what our phasing decisions are. And so we're looking at work uh, that is very low risk in terms of potential rework, depending upon the phasing decisions. In fact, I would say it's no risk. So we're being very prudent with those dollars, but also trying to accelerate to get this service to the residents of the region more quickly, as well as frankly, to save money on escalation, because every month that we save on a big project like this uh, means an awful lot of money. And then I just wanted to spend just a moment talking about the FTA process. If we could go to the next slide, Jason. In the new starts process, there are basically three major steps that uh, one goes through, that a project goes through project development, engineering, and full funding grant agreement negotiations. Uh, we hope to get into project development, uh, which is that first official phase uh, 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 late next summer, perhaps in the early fall. <clears throat> and this is when we would uh, complete um, uh, all of the, uh, the uh, design work to define our project. So it is subsequent to that phasing decision that we're asking of you uh, and planning to do uh, next August. Now DTX uh, has a leg up on many projects that go into project development because we have a record of decision, a completed environmental process, uh, and also obviously strong support from uh, this board of directors and the Peninsula Rail Program uh, partners. Uh, project development, however, is a two-year process under FTA regulations, and we want to be sure that we can complete all of the work that is in project development, including being able to demonstrate that we, the region, uh, can produce 30% of the non-federal share of the project with committed funds at the conclusion of, of those two years. And so that means that depending upon what our final project uh, budget is after we do the phasing study, uh, we would need to, percent, uh, to be able to present or demonstrate rather 30% uh, uh, funding of the non-federal share. And so that once we can do that would get us into engineering and then eventually into the full funding grant agreement, which as I said, and as director uh, Chang said, uh, we hope to do in uh, August of 2023. And then on my final slide, just a little bit more detail about project development, uh, and that's two years limited, as I said, uh, is to, um, again, obtain commitment of at least 30% of the non-New uh, Starts money uh, to complete 30% design and engineering, which I'm confident we can do. Also to have a good solid cost estimate because as you go out of project development and into engineering, that 
federal funding commitment changes from a percentage amount to a fixed dollar amount. So if we ask for 25 or 30% of our project budget for federal funds, once we go into that second phase, the engineering phase, the feds will commit not to share a percentage of the project, but a specific dollar amount. We'll also need a 20 year financial plan, which demonstrates not only our ability to support the capital cost, but also the operating cost of the facility. And then uh, a variety of supporting uh, plans and documents, program management, quality, configuration management, all of which I'm confident we can uh, produce on that timeline. With that, directors, I want to thank you for this opportunity to present and take any questions that, uh, that you might have. Thank you. Stephen, thank you for that presentation. I appreciate it. Directors, questions? Uh, Director Lipkin, it looks like you've got your hand raised. I finally figured out how to do WebEx. My apologies to the directors. <laughs> sure, I'll, I'll go first. And uh, thanks, uh, Stephen and, and Tilly, for the presentation. This is, as you mentioned, my second time seeing it. So I want to ask the question that I mentioned I was going to ask at the ESC meeting, but at the TGPA now, you're coming to for for approval from the board for a multi-year plan that you know i think it goes out to 2024 at this stage even here you mentioned that there's some things that you might be that we might be revisiting including getting into new starts earlier which would be great if we could do that but what's the process for updating and you know are you going to be coming back to the, the tjpa board for revisions are you going to report on changes what is that going to look like as we we know we're well it's a great plan i'm sure there will be things that will come up over the course of three or four years that will change it. So what's the process on that? Yeah, I, I appreciate that. Thank you, Director Lipkin. I think that the ESC should probably discuss this and we take the, the guidance of the TJPA board, but um, understanding that unless it's a, a rather significant change that you understand that some of these things could be fluid and moved by a month or two, I think we would want to have some criteria for uh, any policy level changes and or um, uh, major schedule or budget sort of implication type changes to our work plan. And so that's what I would propose for our group to discuss um, at the ESC, uh, but certainly take your, your input and direction um, on that question. And I would simply add uh, that any changes in milestones or deliverables uh, that uh, we see, and, and frankly, at the moment, I don't, other than that acceleration of, uh, of the year, we at the IPMT will certainly bring to the ESC, uh, and I would expect to the TJPA board uh, as well. But I don't anticipate changes in deliverables, and uh, at this point, other than trying to achieve that one-year acceleration of the FFGA application, uh, I'm committed to meeting our milestones. I should have noted. Thank you, Stephen, for that, and and you've all your for all your work that you've done with the IPMT. One thing we should be clear about is that the work both of the TJPA and the um, at least the TA portion of our work plan is funded really only for the first, I guess, eighteen months. Is that right, Stephen? So we're into this about six months already, uh, and that means the remaining portion of this uh, multi-year plan is not yet funded, but we have a funding plan for that. Um, and so we should just caveat that this is all subject to obtaining all that funding. And originally, we thought we would all have access to Regional Measure 3 bridge toll funds sooner, which, as you may recall, has about a $350 million line item 
for this project, for project development. So, you know, whether it's RM3, whether it's perhaps High Speed Rail Authority or any other partners, uh, we welcome um, the participation to, uh, to, to detail out the rest of the uh, work program funding plan. Thanks, Chair G. Can I offer a comment? Yes, please. Yes. So the um, TX MOU between the partner agencies describes a summary work plan that all of the partner agencies approved. One of the line items is this comprehensive or detailed uh, work plan that's before you today. The MOU contemplates that the TJPA board would approve that this, this work plan. So my suggestion is that to the extent that there are proposed changes to this um, detailed work plan in the future, that those would come back to the TJPA board for approval, which I think is consistent with the MOU. Uh, to the extent that there are adjustments in the actual schedule compared to the plan, I'm sure that those would get reported to you. But if there is a, a, a need for change, approved change to the detailed work plan, I assume that would come back before the, the TJPA board. Definitely. Great, thank you. Um, Director Lipkin, any other questions before I go on to Director Hirsch, who's got his hand raised next? No, maybe just final thought that it seems maybe Tilly, if we can make sure in the, your monthly reports from ESC that any any slips or things get called out, and then in, as Deborah mentioned, any actual substantial change gets brought back for approval. That would be my recommendation on that subject. And I just think I heard Director Chang ask High Speed Rail for an advance. So did you pull out your checkbook? <laughs> okay. Anyway, Director Hirsch, uh, you're next. <laughs> I just want to urge us to really try to pull that date back on the full funding grant agreement. 24 will be another presidential election. We hope to have a long, stable, <clears throat> California-friendly administration, but it would not be wise to attempt to do that during 2024. If we can make 2020-23, um, please do everything we can to do so. Great point. Thank you. Thank you, Director Hirsch. Four years doesn't seem like, <laughs> seems like a long time and not that long time, so. Uh, any other directors? I don't see other hands raised, but any other directors who'd like to make any comments or questions at this point? Um, Seeing with, none. With the indulgence of the board, I do have a few few questions, um, and they're, I'll try to put them in some, some buckets. Uh, just to manage expectations, if I am reading the schedule correctly, we're looking at, um, Stephen, 100% full funding grant agreement in at least at the schedule shows 26, is that correct? 100%? You're on mute, Stephen. I'm sorry, Director, I, I was muted by someone, so I didn't realize that. Yes, that is correct. So just to manage expectations, once full funding grant is achieved, we're not looking at anyone coming in by rail to the transit center until 2030? Uh, I think that that would be the, the soonest. Uh, much much depends upon um, the funding stream that, that right. we can access. And uh, right now, as Director Chang said, uh, you know, one of the principal funding streams, RM3, is in uh, some doubt and so we're taking a conservative approach to the schedule 
at, at present and really focused on uh, trying to get that full funding grant approval uh, in um, April of 2025. Very good. With our accelerated schedule, I'm sorry. Sure. Our, our, the schedule that you're seeing is 2026. We're trying to move that up a year. Correct. But, but again, you know, th this is just planning, engineering, utility relocate. I mean, there's a lot of work on a project at this scale before yes, sir. a train can actually physically come into the transit center with passengers on it, whether it be high-speed rail or Caltrain or anything else. Yes, sir. Um, in, in reading the, the report, there was sort of, I don't know if it was intentional but um, or an oversight, but there was sort of an inconsistent use of DTX project versus DTX rail program in different chapters. Was that intentional or, or was that? I don't think so. And, and I apologize for that. I'll have to check that. Um, there, there, it just, as I was reading from front to end, there, there's references to DTX project and then there are references to DTX rail program. Yeah. And, and the program is a suite of projects, if I recall the MOU correctly, including PACs, including, you know, DTX and other projects, the rail yards. And, and I was just, I think we should be consistent and very clear. I will, I'll double check that. Thank you. Okay. Um, and then in, in the schedule, I apologize for going back. The recommendation for project delivery whatever it is and whatever ESC, IPMT, TJPA board approves, my perception is based on the schedule that was in the package that would run concurrent with the procurement would run concurrent with the other activities that are in the schedule. For, for, for the purposes of this master schedule, we have assumed a design build solution with fairly large um, contract packages. Mm -hmm. uh, the project delivery uh, uh, recommendation could change that and thus we would have to modify the schedule to reflect that. Uh, but uh, we have uh, tried to make that as a base assumption in order so that we have something to work with as we go through these studies over the next year to really define the project through the, through the phasing study and then subsequently provide that delivery recommendation to you. Okay, thank you. I only have two more buckets of questions or two themes. Um, so thank you for your patience. Uh, with regard to finance, and, and, and I wasn't sure, um, I should have asked this even in the MOU when it was being developed as well as in this report. I come from a place where on the public side, particularly projects like this, there are going to be multiple fund sources. There's no question about it. No one is going to write one check to, to fund this project. However, I also come from a place where the, I know there are a lot of entities that like to put their hands in the pie and, and get their piece of it. And that is a recipe for disaster. So could, could the group, and, and given the great audit report we just heard earlier, someone talk about how all these multiple funds come together under one entity and all the tracking and controls and contracting comes from one entity. So there's a single source of control, um, tracking, budgeting, auditing, rather than everybody taking a piece of it before it gets here or gets to wherever here it is. And I didn't quite 
see that clarified in the in the report or even in the MOU. And my apologies for not catching that in the MOU. So maybe I will start and then uh, Aaron or, or Neela, if you want to um, uh, augment and improve my, my response. Um, uh, right now, all of the, um, the project funding, uh, actually, let me correct that. The bulk of the project funding is coming through uh, TJPA, where the, the bulk of the physical, physical work is being done, uh, directors. Uh, the MOU also envisions that the partner agencies uh, will have uh, several discrete tasks that they'll be conducting as well. So, for example, SFCTA is responsible for uh, developing the funding plan, uh, which they're working on at present, as well as uh, the ridership modeling, which they are just beginning to do for the schedule. Um, the the uh, and so presently, uh, I think, with the exception of those discrete tasks, the funding is running through uh, TJPA and is being is being reported uh, each month uh, through our progress reports and each quarter through our progress reports. Uh, the MOU did contemplate the possibility that TJPA, uh, subject to board of directors approval, of course, uh, would. Uh, use another agency to do the construction of the project. That is one of the possibilities that the MOU contemplated. And I would imagine that uh, with that governance report uh, would come recommendations for management of the uh, construction uh, finances um, through the construction period. Thank you, Stephen. Um, I don't know, Neela or Aaron or Tilly, if you might want to offer also some comments. Aaron, if you go ahead. <laughs> um, like Stephen said, um, the revenue sources that we've identified for phase two do come directly to TJPA. Um, as an example, the net tax increment is uh, irrevocably, irrevocably pledged to TJPA. The um, RM3 is dedicated to TJPA. Um, the CFDs, although they are affected by the city and county of San Francisco, the JCFA um, pledges 82% of that um, special assessment to TJPA. Um, when we apply for grants, uh, TJPA is the grant, um, the grantee, uh, so the funds would flow to us. Um, there, if it's the new starts money, then it would flow to us because we would get it as the grantee from FTA. So all the funding sources um, generally that we've identified come to us. There is uh, the caveat of um, the idea of passenger facility charges or um, maintenance um, funds that would come from the operators. Um, and so that has to be worked out and how that, those funds would come to TJPA to manage or if there would be um, that portion managed by the operators. But that also um, ties into the discussion of the specific uh, 4th and Townsend station and who's operating that particular facility. And so until those decisions are made, that particular portion of the funding um, isn't clearly defined as to who manages it or who has it. But the remaining portions of the funds, uh, the state dollars would come to TJPA and uh, all the others that I referenced. Aaron, thank you. So the, the other question that kind of 
dives into it, the partner agency. So if, if I'm a partner agency and I'm committing staff resources, as well as let's say on-call consultants to the, as a partner, would that cost be captured so that at 2035, the cost of DTX would then transition into depreciation or that just be carried off book as a cost to that partner agency? Um, my interpretation would be that it's uh, carried as a cost to the partner agency. Um, as such, um, for high-speed rail right now, I don't believe uh, Director Lipkin is charging us for his time or his participation. And so I would make the same analogy as the staff for high-speed rail or Caltrain is performing functions that relate to DTX, that they are not being billed or invoiced to TJPA, and they are not liabilities of TJPA. And, and the, his time isn't being deducted from the high-speed rail allocation to DTX? <laughs> that is correct. It is not. Okay. Thank we'll, you, Director we'll, Lipkin, we'll, for that. We'll start, we'll start an accounting book on our end. Don't worry. Chair <laughs> <laughs> G, if I might add to that, and Stephen educated me on this as well. Um, after we're allowed into project development, which is the FTA program for new starts, I believe that the partner, the local um, expenditures by any agency should be accountable toward our match. So we will start want to start probably asking for everyone's expenditures as a matter of documenting um, the investments we're making, uh, just to have a complete picture of project development cost, but more importantly to have that documented once we're entered into the new start program so that we can count it toward match. Well, that's important to do that uh, for, I mean, counting everything is important for a lot of different reasons. So the reason that's why I bring it up uh, is just so that we all are all aware and we capture everything. Um, so the last question is just a question on, on the governance section in the report. And, and part of the, the MOU is to talk about governance. And then this is again, whether it's DTX project or DTX rail program, I'm, I'm not sure whether it is about the rail program or about the project, but there's also a reference to assets in other cities along the peninsula. And so I'm curious about how the governance process review is going to engage, quote, other cities on the peninsula, or if it will, or if that was the intent. The, the intent, uh, Director G, is to uh, look at the, the governance of the uh, construction uh, delivery. And so we do want to engage uh, uh, partners who will be affected by, by that to, to gain their input. Uh, but broadly speaking, it is focused on the delivery of the, uh, of the project itself. Okay. So uh, again, I would just take a look at page seven. There's a reference about Development-related benefits, South of Market, Fourth and King rail yard site, and other sites in San Francisco and on the peninsula. And I need to let my colleagues on the peninsula know that this may be coming, if that's the intent. And that last sentence about other sites on the peninsula and how they might have to engage or not engage. I, I'm not sure. I will, I will look at that and make sure that you're informed. Right. I mean, I believe our intent was really to limit it to the DTX infrastructure itself as to who would be the owner, who would be responsible for any contracting um, and uh, be responsible for O&M. And I think the O&M part is the interesting question 
uh, as to whether that facility really will be a Caltrain asset to the degree that uh, what portion, what part, not of the tunnel, but the tracks perhaps and the systems. Right. So that might have been the. I'm not sure exactly. So we'll follow up. Thank you for for the, for the question. Thank you, directors, for the indulgence with my questions. Um, any other questions from the directors at this time? I suspect we might have some public comments on this or questions, Mr. Secretary. That is correct. Um, moderator, if you can let in the first caller that's in the queue, that'd be great. Yes, I can. So 408-206 is unmuted now. Thank you. Hello, caller. You are requested to please state your name. Your three minutes begins now. Hello again, directors. Roland Robron, San Jose. Yes, I do have a few comments. Um, the first comment I'd like to make uh, has to be uh, has to do with transparency. Uh, I would like to see the risk registry to follow the same example as Caltrain is doing for electrification and uh, provide it in monthly reports to the CAC, the ESC, and the TJPA Board of Directors. Um, I've also I'm also very interested and potentially concerned about the IPMT report. I'll be obtaining those to a, a PRA. Uh, moving on to the project and delivery. I don't know if any of you know what's going on in downtown Fresno, but I can assure you, whoever is doing that down there will never get away with it in San Francisco. So moving forward, I do believe that the procurement for the session, uh, for the section uh, between the transit center and, and Townsend will most likely be designed bid, build, and design at, at least 60% so that the community can see, you know, visually what it is that is being uh, proposed proposed down there. Um, the, yes, I would also like to see uh, on a monthly basis um, the current status of the funding plan and, and see what's in there. I'm particularly interested in RM2 and RM3. Um, RM2 in particular, um, basically the uh, supporting legislature is Senate Bill 916, which clearly identifies the need for a, a, an East Bay connection. I'm sure that has to be in, in RM3 as well. The issue is that the currently environmental environmentally clear document does it not make any consideration whatsoever for Transbay Crossing. And, and, and the real issue is that nobody ever pays any attention to all the buildings around there or what's the plan. Are we really seriously considering taking down $2 billion worth of, you know, San Francisco high rises? Um, I, I think not. Um, wrapping up here on funding, I believe potentially um, we could be reaching out um, uh, to Caltrain from, for some uh, moderate uh, measure R uh, funding when it becomes available to support the project development. But to be quite frank with you, personally, I'm not prepared to support this, this project that's currently being proposed. And the last comment I'd like to make uh, goes back to the first slide of the presentation uh, with a graphic that depicts a, a Caltrain diesel locomotive inside the uh, Transbay terminal. And, and I would respectfully uh, recommend that you consider replacing that diesel locomotive with the Caltrain um, uh, EMU. Um, otherwise, well, done? Okay, so quite, quite frankly, uh, you have got a credibility issue here. Thank you. 
Thank you. Okay, we have the next public comment is 415392 number and they are unmuted now. Thank you. Hello, hello caller. You are requested to please state your name. Your three minutes begins now. Hi, this is Jim Patrick, Patrick and Company. Uh, I looked at this uh, memo and I don't see, uh, it's all things about what you'd sort of like to do, but there's no goals for achieving them. And it's a sort of an open-ended thing. I think the memo comes up short. If you want this thing to be ready for uh, 2023, uh, that's what it ought to state. And that's the people who are doing that work ought to have that front and center as the goal to accomplish, uh, rather than being wishy-washy about it. So I think we're making a mistake. I also note it, it talks about the uh, history a little bit, and this thing started in 2001 with the initializing registration. And let's see, 2021, that strikes me as being 20 years. I think we're being awful slow in getting this job done. So uh, anyway, I think there needs to be some uh, specific goals to accomplish what you're setting out in your proposed resolution. Thank you. There are no other public comment. Thank you. Is there a motion? So moved, Tumlin. Is there a second? Second, Hirsch. Thank you. I will now take a roll call vote. Uh, Director Chang? Aye. Chang, aye. Director Forbes? Aye. Forbes, aye. Director Hirsch? Aye. Church, aye. Director Lipkin? Aye. Lipkin, aye. Director Tumlin? Aye. Tumlin, aye. Vice Chair G? Aye. Uh, with the comment that either Stephen or the team come back with some of those clarifications that came up during the discussion at the next meeting. Uh, G, aye. The ayes have it. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. Thank you, directors. I believe, Mr. Secretary, we're going to go to closed session. Is that correct? That is correct. At this time, board, at this time, the board is scheduled to go into closed session on item 16, conference with conference with real property negotiators relating to 425 Mission Street, spaces 216, 218, 220, 103, 1. 43207, 208, and 212 regarding price and terms of payment for retail leases in the transit center. And item 17, conference with real property negotiators relating to the price and terms of payment for easement at the parcel F development site at the transit center. Thank you, Mr. Secretary of the Public. We'll be going to closed session for those of you that want to hang around we'll be coming out at the end of it for those that are leaving we wish you the best of the holiday season and look forward to seeing you in january so onward into closed session thank you vice chair g just before we enter closed session could we yes. confirm that there are no members of the public who wish oh, to yes. address you on the closed session my, items my thank apologies you. yes is there any members of the public that want to speak on items scheduled for closed session Seeing none, Vice Chair G. Okay, thank you.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. So welcome everybody. Um, I want to say uh, thank you for capturing this important moment. This is a really very, very critical issue that we're all here dealing with. This is a real nationwide effort to end senseless gun violence, to get guns off the street. This is our ninth annual gun buyback. We have a lot of people who are on here today who wants to share some information about ending senseless gun violence. Before I bring on the mayor, I just want to say I'm real clear. I am not against a second uh, a Second Amendment, but I am against senseless gun violence. I want to be real clear. And so with that said, I want to bring on our mayor, our fierce leader, the hardworking, committed, intelligent, beautiful Mayor London Breed. Well, thank you, Rudy, and good morning, everyone. And thank you all so much for joining us for this virtual press conference, supporting United Players ninth gun buyback that will take place this Saturday, December 12th, between 8 a.m. and 12 p.m. You don't have to get out of your car. No questions asked. Rudy will provide the details, but please help us to get the word out. We want to get as many weapons as possible off the street. Many of us here have been affected by gun violence at some point in our lives. And sadly, I feel like it's been my entire life. So many of you know that I grew up in the Western Edition, and you know that we have lost friends, family members, and this senseless violence continues. If we can get these guns off the streets, if we can get these guns out the hands of anyone who would use them, it is in the best interest of our communities, and it is in the best interest of our families and friends. Whether it's a friend or family member or someone we know from the neighborhood, as we are addressing this global pandemic, we are seeing heartbreaking news that there is an increase in gun-related incidents in our nation, with some of the victims being young kids, children. In San Francisco, we saw an increase in firearm-related incidents during the first seven months of this year compared to the same period last year. Although we don't know all of the reasons, there is likely a relationship between the isolations, the isolation, the absence of in-person support uh, people usually get during normal times, uh, and, and gun violence. Sadly, many of the critical in-person support systems that many people rely on are unavailable to do so in person, and there are fewer opportunities for intervention. But what we know is that the loss of a life from gun violence has to stop. We all need to work together to save lives and to keep our community safe. So many of you who are here today who've been fighting to end gun violence for years, we need you. The gun buyback program provides people with the opportunities to get these guns out of their hands and homes, off the streets and out of our communities. Thanks to the charitable giving and fundraising efforts of our community partners, we will be able to purchase firearms from anyone who would like to turn them in, no questions asked. This event has brought in nearly 2,000 firearms in the past, getting them off the streets. Think about that. 2,000 guns off the streets because of this program. That means lives saved. This year, we are still continuing this effort to make sure that we are doing everything we can to reduce the harm and the violence on our streets and in our communities as many 
people are struggling with so many different challenges. This is part of our broader effort, both locally and nationally, to end gun violence. We need to create common sense gun control legislation so these guns don't end up on our streets in the first place. We need to do more to engage our local youth and residents so they don't feel compelled to act violently in the first place. You know, every year that we do this gun buyback, we go and do it at the United Players office and, and, and facility location. And every year when I look at those walls, surrounded with African-American men that I grew up with, that I dated, that I went to school with, that I played in the playground with. These are men that are my age that did not have to die. And this is what this is about, to make sure that there is not one more black man lost at the hands of anyone whether that be law enforcement or any other community member. This is about changing the future, especially because African-American men in San Francisco and around this country continue to be victims of gun violence in this country at a young age. We can do better than that. We can do better, and it starts with each and every one of us. I don't want to see another photo go up on that wall. I don't want to see another life lost. So help us change that. Help us change that by turning in your guns. Help us change that by making sure that you're a part of the solution and not a part of the problem. Thank you to Rudy and the United Players team. We appreciate George Floyd's brother and his friend who are gonna be speaking later with us today. We are so sorry for your loss. And we are so grateful that you have taken the time to be here with us to share your words and your advocacy for ending gun violence, especially in the African-American community. Thank you to all the community partners who are here to fight against violence every single day on the streets. I hope all you will continue to join this fight to end gun violence here in San Francisco and across the nation. And remember, this year's gun buyback event is between 8 a.m. and 12 p.m. this Saturday, no questions asked. Thank you. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you so much, Mayor London Bree. And you're right, no questions asked. Um, this effort around us doing this gun buyback is done by so many different partners, all the way from the mayors, uh, uh, office and all of her staff, to the music industry, to mothers who had lost their kids to gun violence, to the SFPD, to um, the private sector. There's so many people that are here together to work to make this happen. So it ain't just us doing it. This is a lot, and it takes a lot of different people to make it happen. And so when a bullet comes out one of those chambers, it doesn't discriminate you, rich, poor, black, white, peppermint stripe, it doesn't matter. And so that's what we're doing is to make sure we end sense of this gun violence. Uh, so it's my honor to have this brother coming on next. He's out there in Louisiana, Baton Rouge, but he fights all over the country, all over the world to make sure we end sense of this gun violence. He's a good friend of mine, and he's taking the time to join us to end to help us with this gun buyback. My brother Silky. Yeah. Thank you, Rudy. I, I just want to commend you on the work that you're doing. 
and uh, let you know that we really appreciate you allowing us to be a part of what's going on and what's taking place out in San Francisco. Due to COVID, of course, you know, we have to do it virtually, but it's better to do it virtually than not do it at all. And that's what I really commend you for, for stepping forward in a time when a pandemic is taking place. You're still thinking about those that will lose their lives to the violence and senseless killings that take place in the communities. And that's one of the things that we're very, 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 and of course, you know, I'm cheering up because I lost my brother two years ago um, to senseless killings in, in Louisiana. And we are very, very focused on getting these guns off the streets. And of course, you know, like you say, we're not against the Second Amendment. We strictly want to get the illegal guns off the street and bring awareness to gun owners that you can take your gun to work and leave it in your car and it become an illegal gun on the streets. This is important for us to make sure that we get these weapons out of the hands of the criminals that's out there committing these senseless acts of violence in our communities. And of course, you know, Stop the Killing has 18 years in. This is not our first time um, hooking up with United Players on an event like this. So we always try to keep that open. And that's why I was so happy to be a part of this. And of course, you know, to have Thelonious, George Floyd's brother, be a part of this and to have the police department a, a part of this, to let the world know that even though what happened to George is not something where it turned either of us um, anti-police because we understand that we need the police and we can't let the action of one bad person turn our feelings towards the police to be negative. So this is an important event that you're giving, Rudy. I just want to commend you on that. Thanks the mayor for her kind words to the family and to everyone in San Francisco. We have to get these guns off the street in order to stop the violence and senseless killings that's taking place in the street. So Rudy, I commend you, man, and thank you so much for what you're doing. Thank you, brother. You know, uh, usually around this time when we do the gun buyback, um, it's a nationwide effort amongst all of us doing it simultaneously. This year with the COVID, I believe we're like one of the only organizations that's doing the gun buyback. And it's the actual anniversary of Sandy Hook and Mayor London Breed. It's the actual anniversary of Ed Lee, who was a big supporter, our late mayor, who was a part of this gun buyback. And so, you know, make sure we acknowledge them. I want to bring on George Floyd's brother. He's been so kind and being uh, involved in this gun buyback, helping us out, supporting us, and for him to take his time out. My brother, like no other, Brother Falonis. How y'all doing? I'm Falonis Floyd, Brother George Floyd. I'm happy to be able to speak with you guys today. Uh, the buyback program, this is something that, this is my first time being a part of one, but it's great knowing that you can decrease violence by taking guns off the streets. Um, Many people out in the world don't understand just because you can go get a license, it still doesn't mean you should have a gun because they don't show when they look at your background that you have a mental problem. It's not showing certain things. Uh, just me growing up in a neighborhood where I see a lot of my friends, you know, I, I ask about them, they say, oh, so-and-so passed away or so-and-so passed away. It wasn't a, a natural disease. Uh, COVID didn't take them out. They died because somebody pulled the trigger, senseless violence, killing young men, men that are growing up, wanting to be something in their life. And me understanding that California had bad situations in the past when 
I look at Watson. I look at a lot of different things when it comes to like the games and stuff, when it comes to killing. Out here in Houston, I don't see a lot, but people are still doing it in different neighborhoods because we don't have a lot of games and stuff. But me, I commend you all for doing what you all are doing. This buyback program, we need to have many more all across this nation. Not not just here in the United States, it needs to be everywhere because we need to take control of our neighborhoods. We need to make sure that we will be here tomorrow. You know, I was born that night, but not last night. So me, thank you all so much for having me here. I want to decrease violence everywhere across this nation. And I know you like that, Rudy, because I can see you have a heart. I can see the passion that you have. And I thank you all, the mayor and everybody else, for for participating in this event. And I wish I could be there, but COVID is holding us back. But, hey, we're going to have a good time while we're here. That's right. Thank you all so much. We can't never forget that slogan, Rudy. It takes the hood to save the hood. And that's what this is, the hood to hood connect, man. So thank you for letting us be a part of this. Hey, Mr. Rudy. We got to say this too. Man. Oh, yeah. And, and if y'all turn in a thousand guns today, Rudy has agreed to cut his hair. Thank <laughs> 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 y'all Hey, Silk, I appreciate you for joining us. You guys, I don't know yeah. about that one. <laughs> 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 hey, don't trip, <laughs> don't trip, look. My name gentlemen, for joining us. It means a lot. And uh, rest in peace to your brother, George Floyd. And Thank so, you. Uh, I knew we had uh, we had Jamie Fox who was going to join us. I know he's uh, you know a busy man. But I know he uh, provides his support with us also. And but so next, I'm going to bring on the CEO and founder of Empire Records, one of the biggest record labels in the country. My brother, who's also a native of San Francisco, like me and Mayor London Breed, is Gazi. Brother Gazi, hey brother, what's up, Rudy? Uh, right now. Um, I just wanted to say I appreciate everything that you're doing for the community. I've known you for over over 20 years, and um, it means a lot to me what you're doing for the community, what Mayor London Breed is doing for the community, um, and helping to keep our streets safe and hopefully a better place to raise our children and uh, to conduct business and, and you know run operations in the city that has given me all of my livelihoods. So I just wanted to say that um, I truly appreciate it. It means a lot to me. Um, I've lost a lot of people that I love over the years to senseless gun violence, um, quite a few in the last 60 days. And um, I just, you know, want to do my part to contribute and, and uh, just be a battery in your back. So I, thank you so much for everything that you do. I want to say thank you so much, Brother Ghazi. He's being really, really humble. This gentleman right here was so instrumental of actually contributing to this cause and making it happen. And so, man, big respects to you guys. And I know you're going through a lot because we lost, we lost a lot of good brothers, man, in the music industry. And so what, what your contribute help and donation actually helps us to do what we do. So thank you so much. And I salute you, man, and look forward to uh, working with you. Appreciate it. Same. Thank you. Love God bless you. God bless you too, baby. Um, I want to also bring in one of our main partners to make this happen. And we can't make this happen unless we got SFPD. And I truly agree with uh, Balonis and Silky about we make sure we do need our partners like the SFPD involved in this. And they've been so instrumental in making this happen because without them, we couldn't do it. And so I'm gonna bring on our captain of the Southern District, uh, Mr. Falvey. 
Thank you, Rudy. And thank you to everyone who's uh, participating in this and making this a successful event. Uh, gun buybacks are part of a proven strategy to address gun violence and help get firearms out of the wrong hands. And I, we thank you, Rudy, for your partnership with the police to allow us to participate and provide the resources you need to make this a successful event. I'd like to thank Mayor London Breed for her leadership on this and our public safety initiatives, uh, programs like this that are really designed for the sole purpose of raising awareness about gun violence and reducing the likelihood of future gun violence by getting these firearms off the streets now. And so with that continued partnership, you know, we at Southern Station are very grateful for the opportunity to work with you and reach out to the community because it's not just one day. You know, you know, people hear about United Players and they see the work you're doing and then they start talking about gun violence. And I, I, that's one of the things I'd like to get is people talking about this gun buyback to make sure the word gets out. Because I think a lot of people would be surprised to know how many of their friends and family members have firearms in their home and who don't want them anymore. And, you know, we want to make sure that these guns are taken off the street. Some people, maybe they had a relative who passed away and they found a gun in their house. And they don't know how to get rid of it. Uh, please bring that to the gun buyback. We will take care of destroying the weapon. Uh, no questions asked. And also, we don't want guns left uh, carelessly in homes where uh, there could be tragedies where children find guns. Or if burglars get into your home and they find guns that aren't properly stored, you know, these are the guns that wind up in the wrong hands out on the streets and contribute to the gun violence problem. So we are glad to be working with you, Rudy, with uh, the staff at City Hall who are helping us with this. And we will bring the resources necessary to collect the firearms safely, to get them off the streets and we will destroy them afterwards. So please get the word out and uh, look forward to seeing you there, Rudy, at a uh, little before eight o'clock on uh, Saturday morning at 1038 Howard Street. So please everyone get the word out, get the guns out of the houses and keep them out of the wrong hands. Thank you. Thank you so much, Captain. And um, when we meet in the morning, we ain't gonna have no donuts for y'all here, but we gonna have some burritos, breakfast burritos. How about that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, uh, real quick, thank you um, so much. We have one more speaker. I'll say the best for last, you guys. Before I bring the sister on, I do want to say that the outreach that's being done prior to our gun buyback is done by 15 people led by Everett Butler, who did a life sentence in prison. And everybody who's doing the uh, flyers or putting up the posts are all ex-lifers who did a life sentence behind murder. But now they're given life instead of taking life. And so when Captain talked about destroying the guns, these are the guns right here from the last gun buyback. We're actually destroying them. So, you know, for all the critics, we are destroying these guns and ain't no gonna hurt, harm, or kill anybody again. And so with that said, my partner who actually helps destroy the guns and creates art out of them is a mother who had lost her son to gun violence and she's the founder of the Robbie Poblet Foundation, which her son's name. Um, I, I want to welcome you, Patty. Thank you. Thank you so much, Rudy. Um, I wanted to thank first the United Players and Mayor Breed for bringing us all together here this morning. Uh, my name is Patty Navalta Pobletti. I'm the founder of the Robbie Pobletti Foundation. It's an organization I founded in honor of my son, Robbie, who was shot and killed by someone who had obtained a gun illegally. After the weapon was used to kill my son, um, it was then resold on the streets where it was used to commit another crime. 
So I believe in gun buybacks because I know firsthand that one gun has the potential to commit numerous crimes and take numerous lives. Um, the week that my son was killed, he had laid out a suit on his bed in preparation for a job interview that he was guaranteed to get the job. Instead, it was the suit that he was buried in. And that's what gun violence does in a matter of seconds. It, has, it can rob someone of their life and it can change the lives of everyone left behind and that includes the perpetrators. So now we're in COVID-19. It's a public health crisis that has only exacerbated this existing health crisis of gun violence. Since the pandemic, we've seen a sharp increase in gun sales. In June alone, there were already 2.6 million additional sales. We are now, we now have more guns in circulation with millions of children staying home from school, domestic abuse victims stuck at home with their abusers. We have people facing depression due to unemployment and isolation. So when you add access to guns on top of that, you are facing a convergence of major health crises and more loss of life. And I think we all know that low income black and brown communities suffer the most when it comes to both gun violence and the pandemic. So 2020 has been a challenging year, but it has been a transformative year. It's a year of reckoning where people across the country have marched against systemic racism and injustice. I believe we have to be just as passionate about preventing gun violence, which disproportionately impacts communities of color. Now I know I can't get my son back, but I can do whatever I can to make sure that there are fewer mothers who lose their children. And I want to thank Mayor Breed. I want to thank United Players. I want to thank you, the family of George Floyd, and the other speakers for lifting their voices and sharing their pain and their passion um, so that we could put an end to senseless, senseless gun violence. Um, I just want to encourage everyone to bring your unwanted guns to the buyback Saturday because you'll never know how many children's lives you've saved and people's lives that you've saved by doing so. Thank you. Real talk. Right on, Patty. Thank you so much. Um, may your son, Robbie Poblet, rest in peace. And so I want to thank everybody on here for sharing their wisdom, their knowledge, and their experience. And one, a lot of people say these gun buybacks are not effective. Let me share this with y'all. I'm a survivor of gun violence twice. The last time I was shot at was in 2012 in this neighborhood that I'm at with somebody who actually got murdered yesterday three blocks up. And so one gun off the streets. Well, people who say this is, doesn't work. One gun off the streets can destroy one person's life. And that one person's life could be the person who could save this whole planet. You never know who that person can be, who that person will grow up to be. And so we want to make sure we get all the guns we can. Like I said, I'm not against the Second Amendment, but I am against senseless gun violence. You know what I mean? It shouldn't be little kids. It should be innocent people. People going to work, working hard for their families to get killed because somebody else has issues and problems and they don't know how to shoot uh, uh, at the whatever target they're trying to hit. And I'm not trying to advocate violence, but I understand the streets and I understand the world that we live in. So I want to be real clear. I am against the Second Amendment, but I am against senseless gun violence. And one gun that you may turn in actually will be the life that you may save that may save this world. How about that? And so thank you guys for all, everybody on here, Ghazi, Mayor London Bree, Patty, right, uh, uh, Captain, right, Falvey, Silky, right, uh, Falonis, all you guys for your effort.
to help us end senseless gun violence, you guys. We got to do it together, collectively. United we, United we stand, divided we fall. And I'm a player. You heard me? I'm a United player for real. We get us all together, man, because bullets, guess what? They don't discriminate and they ain't got no names on them. Don't wait till somebody you know or somebody you love to get killed for you to be involved and say, I want to be a part of this. Nah, you want to get involved now. And you play your part by turning in your guns that you don't need no more that's in your houses or that you don't use no more. And so I want to say thank you, guys. Thank you, Mayor London. Jason, are we good? We are back. Thank you, Jason. Okay, welcome back everyone. We're back into open session, I believe, Mr. Secretary, is that correct? That is correct, uh, Vice Chair G. All right, General Counsel, any report out from closed session for us today? As to item 16 and 17, there is no action to report. Thank you. Mr. Thank Secretary, you. Is that, is that it for today? Directors, that concludes the business before you today and concludes our meeting. Very good, thank you. Thank you, directors, for your time today. The best of the holiday season to you and your families. Be safe, be healthy. I look forward to seeing everybody in January all well and healthy. Enjoy the, the season and happy new year early. So thank you very much. With that, I'd like to adjourn our meeting. Be well. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy holidays.